Welcome to another edition of the InsuranceAUM.com podcast. The private credit market's now multi-trillion dollar market. It's too big to ignore. Right now, banks are operating with far more reserves than they'll ever need. We may not get a economic recession. We might get a financial market recession. There had to be a better way. It's critically important what's happening with the jewelry market for gold. Unemployment is a record low. The timing is just perfect. My name's Stuart Foley. I'll be your host. There's been a steady march to private assets by insurance companies, for sure. And asset-backed lending is certainly a part of that. But now we're in a little bit of a higher interest rate environment, and we've got a repeat guest today, Connell Haston, partner at Victory Park Capital, is here to talk about asset-backed lending in a higher rate environment. Connell, welcome back. Thanks for being on. Hi, Stu. It's great to be back. You are a fellow Chicago, and I think you're in downtown right now, as a matter of fact. Uh, it looks sunny outside, and it's sunny out my window, so I think we've got that going. So you've been on before, so you've already heard all my icebreaker questions. I got a little bit of a different setup here. So how about this? How about your hometown that you grew up in? That's the same. High school mascot, and what makes insurance asset management cool? Hmm. That is quite different than the first round, Stu. But I'll, uh, so St. Louis, Missouri is my hometown. High school mascot is the Spartans. What was your high school in St. Louis? The Smet Jesuit. Nice. There you go. All right. And the coolest thing about insurance asset management, I'm going to go with the people. Great people. Wow. That's, that is the truth, too. This industry does have a lot of great people. That's great. Okay. So thanks for playing along there with me. So private credit is so hot right now. And I don't see anything cooling it off. Terrific asset class. Can you talk to me a little bit about how your view of private credit has evolved over the last 10 or 15 years? And I'll kind of add to this, like in the last 12 months. Good question. So the growth in private credit really came out of the global financial crisis in 2009 when banks were faced with stricter regulations and that created the emergence of non-bank lenders, just like Victory Park Capital. So in 2009, private credit AUM, assets under management, was $150 billion, while U.S. commercial bank lending portfolio in total was about $8 trillion. If you look at today, Stu, the total private credit non-bank lending AUM is $1.5 trillion. So it's grown 10 times since the GFC while the commercial lending loan portfolios have grown maybe 1.4 times. So you've seen this 10 times increase in private credit. Why is this? Well, obviously, like I said, the GFC catalyst was banking regulations forced banks to pull back. And then on top of that, from 2010 to 2022, even through the pandemic, we had a long period of economic growth and low interest rates which increased this private credit demand. And in the last 12 months to today, you're seeing market volatility, rising rates, persistent inflation, which are some of the reasons for the recent bank pullback. But it forms my thesis and that there will be future private credit growth because of the most recent bank pullback, just like there was bank pullback right after the GFC. So healthy businesses are going to see capital to expand their businesses. They're probably going to want lower advance rates given the high interest rate environment and likely want shorter durations in this environment to to weather the storm. So 
in the last 15 years, non-bank private lenders have really developed these track records now through multiple cycles, which is why private credit is a proven asset category and part of, you know, in the conversation of any asset allocation process. And I think that's here to stay no matter what the macro environment or interest rate environment is. I'm 100% with you on all of that. And I'll give you, for one thing, commercial banks do not want to loan to small businesses, period. I mean, you know, they, I mean, if we're trying to fund growth and it's virtually impossible, right? A bank is not going to help us. And the second thing I'd tell you about private credit is that it ranked number one for relative value in a, a CIO survey that we did here in the U.S. It ranked number one with a relative value survey that we did in Bermuda, and it ranks number one on our web traffic as well. So I agree with you, and I think the data backs you up. You're a little bit like me in that you've been on both the insurance side and the manager side. What would you say are the most important considerations right now for insurance companies looking to allocate to private credit? And, and let's do this. Let's go this way. Let's just say that someone is just looking at it for the first time, which I think is possible. And then what about somebody who's been at it for a minute? So if you're looking at private credit for the first time, I'd kind of start high level. First and foremost, make sure there's relative value. There must be relative value in comparing to other public fixed income asset classes. And on top of that, you also should be paid for the illiquidity. So we call that an illiquidity premium. I think that um, holds today. And then another topic for for a first timer would be make sure you know the manager and, and make sure the manager is performed in multiple cycles. Make sure the manager has workout experience and risk processes in place and the data infrastructure in place to assist with active investment management because in a environment that we're in, which the inverted yield curve seems to think we're going to be in a recession at, at some point, active risk management and being able to work through defaults is, is paramount. For those that have been exploring the private credit space or invested in the private credit space for some time, you know, I would really pick my spot. Private credit is, is a big space now. There's lots of different kinds. You can go to mezzanine lending, there's venture debt, there's special SIFs. There's many different flavors in the private credit space. So right now I would focus on certain defensive characteristics in the private space. So floating rate versus fixed, given interest rate volatility, you know, make sure that the SOFA floors are high enough to take advantage of a decreasing interest rate environment because there's, you know, rates are so high right now, if they go back down to where they were, then those floors are going to be very important and a great inflation hedge for you. I'd focus on current interest pay income versus any pick features. I'd like to be in the senior part of the capital stack versus other parts of the capital stack. You know, from a loan term perspective, I'd focus on shorter terms to mitigate that illiquidity risk I, I mentioned. A big one is making sure this loan structure and covenants are strong. I would probably avoid Covlight deals in this space and then make sure you know the covenants because sometimes there's loans with a full suite of covenants, but I like to call the sometimes they're in name only. So covenants in name only, meaning they're so wide, the covenants are so wide of what the actual business is doing. They actually basically are Covlight loans. So focus on the covenants and make sure they're strict. And then I might be biased here, but I like asset backed loans as well, given in a rising default 
environment, you know, recovery rates tend to be a lot higher. And within the ABL space, I, I want to make sure that the issuer and borrow has meaningful skin in the game. So we align interests. So their capital is at risk, just like mine and subordinate to mine. And I want to make sure the collateral is diversified. And those are the things I'd look at with certain loan characteristics, if you have a lot of experience already in the private credit space. That's really helpful. And so when, with interest rates higher, right, can you talk a little bit about the case for continuing to allocate to private credit? Yeah, so the market generally, and market volatility in this, and recent bank pullback is resulting in a surge of attractive deal flow. And that attractive deal flow is well positioned for private credit investors. So the market there is definitely there. The size is there. I think there's going to be you know, a lot of good loans that uh, you can make in this environment just because of the demand. Also, in a rising rate environment, you know, this is private credit's a defensive strategy at the end of the day. It's low volatility, lower correlation to other asset classes. Let's talk about why this is. So again, the floating rate is an inflation hedge. It helps when rates go up. There's no real duration risk. Also, two, senior secured helps with equity valuation volatility. Like I said, if it's asset backed, it helps with recovery rates and higher default environments. And then the current pay aspect, you know, it's recurring income. So all these things are characteristics for a defensive strategy. And as long as you're getting paid, like I said, relative value is huge. You have to make sure you're getting paid the right illiquidity premium to compensate you for taking that duration risk. And there's ways within the private credit space that you can mitigate that illiquidity, shorter loan terms, like I said, current pay income, interest income, et cetera. But and not only just the public available indices, but also you have to keep an eye on the CLO market, uh, the leverage loan index, et cetera, to make sure that your loans, that you're getting compensated for the illiquidity. So we're talking about private credit in general, but Victory Park Capital works in the asset-backed lending space. Can you kind of walk me through what a typical deal would look like for you? Yeah, would be happy to. So. I like to break it down like this, you know, and the, there's cash flow lending and then there's asset back lending. In cash flow lending, the lender determines the loan size based on the borrower's enterprise value with a particular focus on EBITDA and cash flow. Asset back lending is a little different. The loan attaches specifically to the borrower's assets and that forms the basis of the loan size. And then within the asset back loan market, you have traditional asset back lending, which is mainly lending on inventory and accounts receivable. And then you have non-traditional assets, and that's mainly where we play. And I can get to the, the types of collateral, but a typical loan, look, it's a senior secured delayed drop term loan, floating rate coupon, and always with covenants. We directly originate our loans, and therefore, we're generally the sole lender and always the agent. And our borrower is, is actually a bankruptcy remote SPV, which stands for Special Purpose Vehicle which is wholly owned subsidiary of the corporate entity, but we're lending to that SPV versus the corporate entity itself. And a little bit more on the structure. So we lend to a max advance rate against the eligible collateral. And we define what that, you know, the eligible collateral up front, and that defines our borrowing base. A critical point here is if the borrowing base moves, meaning it's it's a dynamic pool of collateral. So if, if, if one of the uh, eligible assets falls out of our borrowing base and it's no longer eligible, that has to be replaced in kind or with cash. So at any given moment, you know, that SPV holds performing collateral. 
And as far as collateral types, so let's talk about what we're lending to. I mean, I like to break it out for us, either consumer, small business, or just alternatives. And in the consumer space, that SPV can consist of credit card receivables or installment loans. There's a lot more examples in the consumer space, but we'll limit it to two for now. In the small business, you know, it could be small business loans, working capital, factoring, and then in alternatives, real estate's a common one that we will will lend on. And so those are examples of the collateral that are eligible in that SPV and that we're lending on at a certain advance rate. And that advance rate fluctuates based on the duration of that underlying collateral, the performance of that underlying collateral, et cetera. So that's really helpful. When you look out today, what do you see as the greatest opportunities and the greatest challenges for private credit managers? So the opportunities, uh, the one that comes out to me is just market share. Bank dislocation is a catalyst. We've talked about this for non-bank lenders to continue taking market share. At the same time, you have increased demand from healthy companies seeking short-term floating rate loans from non-banks. So that's the biggest opportunity right now. I think the opportunity also is it's a little bit less competitive right now because it's a uncertain environment. So that comes with ability to provide the same loans you would maybe at less leverage or attachment point and getting paid more for it. So, you know, I think those are the main opportunities. The challenge is, I mean, the general market is a challenge. We're inverted yield curve. The two versus 10 right now is minus 87 basis points. That's the steepest it's been since 1980. Stu, last time we spoke, it was flat just, and, and that wasn't that long ago. So at least to me, it's inevitable that we will hit a recession, which will or should come with higher defaults in every market, including the private credit space. So managing those defaults and having experience doing so will be imperative. So that's one challenge. I also just think in a higher interest rate environment, the biggest concern is is your borrower, the company's ability to afford the debt service because it's floating rate. So you have to look for companies with assets that have high excess cash flow, high margin business, and appropriate interest rate hedges in place when needed. So those are the two challenges that come to mind. It's really interesting. That is an amazing stat that you threw out there. The steepest, it's been, the most inverted it's been since 1980, right? I was a sophomore in high school. And am I right that Paul Volcker was the Fed chairman at that time? You're going to make me Google this on the fly. Let's find out. It was, it was it started in 79. So yeah, you're right. There we go. I mean, Paul Volcker became famous for breaking the back of inflation by raising short-term rates to previously unheard of levels. It's a really interesting historical fact that you threw out there. Thank you for that. So I think that we both expect insurance companies to continue to invest in private credit is so accepted today. I think one of the challenges that they face is knowing where the threshold is of their liquidity, right? Like how much liquidity can I give? And generally speaking, I think most people would agree that insurance companies are over liquid, right? But the challenge comes into 
is where's the line, right? So what do you think their challenges are? How do you think that the insurers are looking at private credit today? Do you think it's, for the most part, become mainstream as part of their allocation, which is kind of how I see it? But I see a subset of the market. So you probably have a better vantage point of this. Yeah, I do think from an insurance allocation perspective, I do think private credit has become mainstream. I do think that insurance investors are becoming well-equipped and opinionated on where to focus within the private credit space, but I believe the allocation is there. I do think that insurance allocations to private credit will continue to grow, I've, You know, especially in this environment. It, like I said, it's a defensive strategy and it's got low volatility. And insurance, you, you mentioned something interesting. You said insurance companies are overly liquid, and that's either through c- cash or liquid securities. So it really depends how liquid those liquid securities are because you don't want to sell for a loss, right? No, right. There's other ways for insurance companies to obtain liquidity, and that's either through the federal home bank system or you know other ways. But I think private credit, if you looked at the investment grade corp index, it's at like, call it 175 over or high yields at 475 over. You know, private credit is still offering a meaningful spread to these benchmarks. And again, it depends where in the private credit space, but you're definitely getting paid to take that illiquidity risk. And at the same time, the insurance business from a margin perspective hasn't changed. It's a it's a very low margin, low spread business. So as interest rates go up, so do your crediting rates. So if you look at five to seven year MIGAs, they're at 550, 575, add some SG&A on that. And that's below these investment grade liquid security options you have. So investing in those asset classes alone won't cut it. So an allocation to higher yielding defensive strategies like private credit, in my opinion, is necessary. Yeah, I I think that's right. And I mean, you know, there's a there's a cost to that liquidity, right? And a lot of folks are talking about how they go about assessing their real liquidity needs. And to be able to to stay competitive with other insurers, I mean, I think that you've you've got to be taking advantage of all of all the opportunities afforded to you, right? I mean, it's it just stands to reason. You said it. Hit the nail on the head. <laughs> Thanks. All right, so I got a final closing one for you, a new one. You can actually have a choice of two. Here we go. You ready? Sure. Best piece of advice you ever got, or could be and, or who would you most like to have lunch with, alive or dead? Okay, I'll take both. All right, nice. Person I'd most want to have lunch with, alive or dead, I'm going to go with Jason Sudeikis right now. Wow, there you go. And then best advice I've ever gotten, you know, if you listen, consistently give effort and are always prepared, then you have a chance. And the person that gave me that advice later told me it was a combination of a Calvin Coolidge quote, a Bobby Knight quote, and a JFK quote. So I don't know how um, unique it was, but I do. uh, I love that. Give me that again. If you listen, consistently give effort, and are always prepared, then you have a chance. Yeah, that's all the best you can ask for, right? It's so great to have you back on. I really appreciate it. Uh, I learn a lot. Whenever you're on, private credit, I think, is an important and growing part of insurance company portfolios. And it's always great to get your your insights and your views. We've been joined today by Connell Haston, partner at Victory Park Capital. 
Connell, thanks for being on, man. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks, Stu. Thanks for listening. If you like us, please rate us, review us on Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast content. My name is Stuart Foley, and this is the InsuranceAUM.com podcast.